0: We finished First John last week, and uh, we are beginning Colossians tonight. I didn't tell you where we were going because uh, I hadn't decided last week. And uh, uh, We have studied many of the New Testament books. We've studied Galatians, we've studied Romans, we've studied Hebrews in 10 years. We've studied Revelation twice. Uh, we've done uh, Matthew, and we've done John, and uh, uh, we just did First John. And I thought, I don't think we have done Colossians in all that time. So I thought we might uh, take a little time and work through Colossians. It's not a real long book, but there's some really good stuff. Now, let me, uh, let me set it up for you, give you a little bit of history. Uh, Colossians is, there's a little bit of debate. We all assume that it's an epistle written by Paul. Uh, there's a little bit of debate, uh, even though he names himself, you know, theologians like to point out things. And one of the things that some of the Bible theologians have pointed out that unlike a lot of Paul's other writings, there are very few, almost no references to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit in the book of Colossians. And they say that with the preeminence of that in so many other books, we think maybe somebody else wrote this under Paul's name. I don't believe that at all. I think this is an epistle written by Paul. The fact that he doesn't uh, speak about the Holy Spirit. And and let me bring up something about that as well. People that use uh, form criticism, in other words, they look at the form of the writing to examine a section of scripture nothing wrong with that except in my mind when they do things like this Um, and and let me let me explain to you why when they say because Paul doesn't mention the Holy Spirit as much in Colossians as he does in other books we doubt the authorship of it one of the things that we believe is in a um, sort of a sort of a theological word called verbal plenary inspiration That's the the way we believe that scriptures came to be. And what that means is that God verbal, God spoke plenary, wrote it down, and it was inspired. He spoke it to men who wrote it down. Verbal, plenary, inspiration. And so there is a divine, we, we absolutely accept that there's a divine nature to God's word. So when you say, because Paul mentions the spirit a lot in other books, he must do it here. To me, that removes the divinely inspired part of it and says, Paul always follows this pattern. To me, that overemphasizes the human part of it and de-emphasizes the divine part of the way the scripture came to be. And anything that you do that reduces the inspired nature of the word as coming through the Holy Spirit into man, anything that you do that diminishes that, I'm against. Um, I don't think it's necessary that Paul uh, writes some of the same things in all of his letters. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit inspires him to say what he wants him to say, and Paul is used of God to write it down. So that's an oversimplification, but that's one of the things that they say about this. I think this is a letter written to the church at Colossa, uh, written by Paul, um, and written during a very difficult time during Paul's life. Uh, This book, when it was written, uh, it was written by Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome. So, you know, it's a tough setting to be encouraging the church and to be writing uh, theological truth. The the general theme of this book is very powerful. It is, it's Christological. It is all about Christ. And it is primarily, most, uh, most writers believe, It is a response to a heresy that had begun to arise in the New Testament church. And it was a heresy that we have now come to call Gnosticism. Uh, If you hear of somebody that's an agnostic, has the same root word. And Gnosticism was something that began to rise up. We'll talk about some of the things about the Gnostics and what they believed. But probably the biggest one was they denied the deity of Jesus. They believed him to be a prophet. They believed him to be uh, certainly used of God. But they didn't believe that he was God, that he was God's son. And that's one of the reasons that we think Paul wrote this letter was to come against that teaching that was arising in the New Testament church. Uh, So because that is the issue, I think there's a lot of application for us in the world today. Uh, People are denying that Jesus is the son of God. They're denying that he's significant in their life. And so we're going to hear a lot of language that will take that to task tonight as we look at uh, Colossians. Let me pray for us and then we'll, uh, we'll get right to the text. And we'll do probably through verse 14 tonight. Father, thank you so much for a beautiful evening that you have made and a time that we can come together around your word and be challenged and be encouraged. Um, we, as we always do, Father, thank you for this. Um, this Wednesday night study, Father, is not a beginner's study. It is a deep look at the truth of your word and i pray lord that uh it would be beneficial to those in the room that it wouldn't be uh so um and lord i don't know that i have the ability to go real scholarly but it wouldn't be so scholarly as to be of no practical value to the people that see this either via the stream or those in the room rather father that your word would do exactly what you accomplished it you sent it forth to do father that it would challenge us and that it would mold us and shape us that we would be conformed into your image as we take your word in as we allow the holy spirit to make it alive in us i thank you for each of those that are here lord in the room and i thank you for those that are watching us on the stream live and those who will see this later in a recorded format we pray that each of those groups father would be would be strengthened and encouraged and draw closer to you we thank you and we bless you we we love you it's been a good day lord filled with your presence and we give you praise for that in jesus name amen well once again thanks uh, thanks for tuning in let's read uh let's read through these whole for, the 14 verses of uh, colossians chapter one paul an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in christ at Colossae. grace to you and peace from god our father we always thank god the father of our lord jesus christ when we pray for you he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins lots of good stuff in there um Let's look uh, beginning right at the first of it. Uh, it is not uncommon, and, and if you know, it's not uncommon for Paul in the beginning of his apostle, or his epistles to restate his apostolic office. Um, Paul wasn't, as I'm sure many of you know, Paul wasn't one of the 12 original apostles. He didn't uh, during Jesus' ministry. Uh, we don't have any record of him interacting with Jesus at all. That's not to say that he didn't, but we don't have any record of that. Paul's first encounter with Jesus was with a resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, where Jesus spoke to, to Saul, who became Paul, as he was persecuting the church. So Paul wasn't one of the original 12, but he has been, by God, called to, to be what he, in his own words, is called the apostle to the Gentiles. And he certainly becomes the primary, the primary deliverer of the gospel message to the Gentiles. And um, it is certainly something that, uh, that, that he does uh, throughout the New Testament. He states this, I think, because there have been and there are in several books uh, of the New Testament, Paul giving a defense of his, ap- apostle, his apostolic office. There were those that challenged whether or not he was qualified to be an apostle. And most of that, it's believed, is because of his persecution of the church. Uh, is everybody aware of Paul's persecution of the church? He, he had letters when he was Saul, before his name was changed to Paul by the Lord. He had letters from the Sanhedrin to find, persecute, and even condemn to death New Testament Christians. Uh, so that when Paul's conversion conversion takes place in the book of Acts... Uh, and the Lord sends uh, Barnabas to him. Uh, well, Anas, Ananias first. Uh, it's with great fear that they welcome him into the into the New Testament group of believers. Um, and ultimately, God exalts him to this position where he's been used of God to write two thirds of the New Testament. So it's in that sort of light that he states in verse one, "Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother." Now. Um, you do know that Timothy was a protege to Paul. He was uh, the son and grandson of two two believing women who loved the Lord. Uh, We have no mention of Timothy's dad in any of the letters, uh, but Eunice and Lois, his mother and grandmother, have passed on to this young man the truth of the scripture, and Paul is now leaning upon him in leadership positions in several of the churches of the New Testament. Uh, but at this writing, it would seem that Timothy is serving Paul as Paul is under what we would consider house arrest in Rome at this time. So Paul greets the church at Colossae that way. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Seems like a pretty clear statement of the authorship of this letter and uh, and to whom it was addressed. This wasn't like... Uh, if you remember we've talked about the book of revelation the book of revelation was a was an epistle that was written uh and it was circulated among the seven churches of asia minor this letter is written to one place it's written to this church and so we believe that this false teaching had really taken hold in this city and in this church they're vacillating in what they believe and it's for those reasons that paul addresses this letter and send it specifically to them uh we believe that a young man named, uh, I always mess up his name, uh, uh, Tychicus is the man that delivered this letter. He was the carrier of it to the church in Colossa. And so that gives you a little more history. All right. Paul begins in verse three and four to begin to lay down some of the, this is still in the way of greeting. Now, there's an interesting form in, 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 in greetings that are found in the epistles. And I don't know if you noticed that, If you read through these first 14 verses, there's something in the way of punctuation that there's a lot of and something that there's not much of in the way of punctuation. Any of you in the room notice that? There's one punctuation mark that you see a lot of and another one that you don't see many of. Anybody notice? There's a lot of commas and not many periods. It's just an interesting literary form that in greetings like this, they sort of run on and on before you stop and take a breath. And I don't know if you've read it, and that's the way you have to read it. Uh, watch this. If we read, uh, if we begin again, we, I, I won't stop until there's a period. All right, here we go. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. That's a pretty good sentence, you know what I mean? And then he goes again, an even longer one, all right? It's just a, a literary form that you see a lot in the greetings, and you don't always have the meat of the letter in the greetings. There's some pretty good things here, but we'll really get down into the meat beginning in verse 15. We won't get that far tonight. Uh, that's because the greetings, while they they do have some uh, some weight to them, it is, you know hey how's everybody in Alton I hope everybody is you know be sure and tell everybody I said hi and this and this and this and this and this okay now let me tell you why I wrote the letter and that's sort of what we have here okay we always thank God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven it would seem that a report has come back to Paul about what's going on with these people And that's the reason that that phrase sounds the way it does. Now, there's a couple of words in here and it's their connection to each other that I think is really interesting. All right, Listen to this. He's talking about giving thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul's saying we pray for you. And then he says this, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love, so you got faith and love, and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven i think there's a great trifecta of things that you can sort of put your foundation down in as it relates to living the christian life in the day and time that we live all right first of all it is faith in jesus christ that we begin with Uh, paul acknowledges that we uh, we orient ourselves towards this life in the beginning because of faith that we have in who Jesus is and in the things that he said and in relation to us and him we we have faith in Christ Jesus he says and then love that you have for all the Saints um, anybody ever find it difficult to love all the Saints if you haven't stick around a little while the uh, people in church are just people in church saints of God with their names written in the Lamb's book of life still step on your toes they still say things they didn't intend to say but Paul says what has been reported to us about you is your faith in Christ and your love for one another that's a pretty good pretty good report hey it's been told to us that you guys really love Jesus and you really love each other you have great faith in Jesus and you have great love one for the other now It's what's next that I think is something that we need to keep in front of us. It's the because phrase. You have faith in Jesus Christ and you have love one for the other. And here's why. You hear the because? Because of this, you have faith in Jesus Christ and you have love for one another. What's the because of? Because of the hope laid up for you where? In heaven. So there is this expectation in the hearts of the people uh, that Paul has noticed, this expectation of what comes next, the hope laid up for you in heaven. Anybody tired of uh, coronavirus? Look around the room. I'm tired of it. All right. Uh, we, got, uh, we had 11 people watching online a while ago. There are, what, six of you in here? And Pastor Dan is Seven. And some on YouTube as well, so uh, thirteen there, about, about twenty people watching. Um, everybody recognize that that 's still uh, i don 't know half of what we have normally been before all of this, and it 's summertime too. We, gotta, we have to remember that it 's summer and it 's beautiful outside. Uh, what I need is a couple of really good rainy days to get everybody to come come into church, all right but um, it, it can be difficult. Just living our life in this world. I've, uh, I was reading an article this morning. A report, not an article. Uh, Leanne and I are going on vacation. And there's a little place that we've stayed before. A little mom and pop place in this little town in Wisconsin on our way north. We like it. There's a Chinese food place it's not far. We really like this little town. And uh, we started looking it up. And it's closed. The little place. It had sold to a young couple that had bought it. And not too long before all of this stuff hit. And now they've... And it's not just closed. It's closed, closed. Um, Sometimes life deals you some stuff that's hard to deal with. Amen? And there are a lot of people dealing with things like that. Paul is going to be addressing some things in their lives. And he says, listen, we've heard some things about you, about your faith in Jesus and your love for one another and we know he knows that that's because of the hope laid up for you in heaven that it does something to you when you expect that one day this life's going to be over uh, pat and i were talking just before we started tonight that she had had a dream and maybe the rapture was soon to come upon us wouldn't it be wouldn't it be all right if the rapture of the church was tonight and how many of you think that coronavirus won't make any difference right after that takes place? Amen? And uh, it's that hope in heaven. It's that hope of something more, that's something better, that there's something beyond this. I've read many historical accounts of, of, uh, of uh, slaves uh, singing songs of, uh, of heaven and trust in the Lord and deliverance from the hardship that they were enduring And that's exactly what Paul is commenting on these people. Listen, you have great faith in Jesus Christ. You have great love for one another. And that is because you have a hope laid up in heaven. You understand that there's something more. Paul goes on, he says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Now, Paul's writing to people that, while their lives may be very different, they live in a very less, you know, we live in a very technological time. They don't. Lots of differences in our lives. He writes about this hope that they have, and he says that this hope didn't come because you went to heaven and saw it or because you'd experienced it or because, you know, everybody had this group dream and they all saw none of that supernatural stuff. Paul says, you have this hope in heaven because you heard about it in the word of truth the gospel so i want you to put these pieces together of what what paul has just said in verse five let's do it backwards though because i think it helps that these people had heard and internalized god's word into their life that internalization of the word had produced in them a hope about a better home a better place and that because of that expectation they were able to love one another And have great faith in Jesus Christ all of that that came out of their knowledge and their understanding of the gospel how important is it to hide God's Word in your heart it's really important say amen if you believe that he said and then he goes on to talk about this gospel he says and all of that he says has come to you as indeed In the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Let's let's read uh, the last part of 5 and 6, the first part of 6. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. So Paul is talking about how the word of God has come to them. And he says, listen, that this gospel has come to you and it is doing the same thing in you that it's doing everywhere in the the world that they've heard it. What's it doing? It is bearing fruit and increasing. I don't know about you, but I'm challenged by that, that those who take the word in, it bears fruit in their life. And we're going, to re, we're going to hear that in a moment. In verse 10, Paul's going to talk about walking worthy of Christ. Well, man, that's, that's a challenge. Paul is... And remember, this is just the introduction. He's not even gotten to the meat of what he's talking about yet. This is a challenge to them about who they are. He's saying to them, look, you have faith. You have love, faith in Jesus Christ, love for the saints, hope laid up in heaven. And all of that happened because you received and understood the gospel because it's doing the same thing in you it always does in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing now what do you what do you derive from that what do you what does that cause you to think for me it's a challenge am i just reading the word or is it growing down in me in a way that it is bearing fruit and increasing in me that word is increasing in me and it's bearing fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit for the kingdom, uh, love, joy, peace, fruit of the Spirit, the things that are listed there. That's what the Word of God is intended to do, and I don't know. That's, that's, that gives me great hope. I see some weakness in me. I see some area that, man, I, I should be better. I should have accomplished more. I should be more. I should be more of something in this, and that tells me that, hey, God's word isn't done the holy spirit it's increasing not it increased and it's done no Wayne, it's still growing in you i mean i know wayne you're 50 years old all right or a couple of more maybe but god's not done he's still growing the word in wayne cox pat worked at the headquarters office and my goodness you must be i mean there's you know there—that's mecca it's, i mean you weren't far from the holy of holies but the word is still increasing. It doesn't matter how long we we serve the Lord. It doesn't matter that we're a beginner or that we've served. The word is never exhausted. It is always increasing. And there is always more fruit that can be born in our lives because of what the word of God is being, what it's doing in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then watch this. He says this, this is how you got it. This is what it did for you. It is growing in you as it does remember he said it's doing in the world what it does and that same thing is happening in you and he said since the day you heard it and understood the grace of god in truth now two words there that we don't normally put together and it's not because they're in opposition to each other i don't think our thoughts about what grace and truth are Uh, I don't think we put those together in our contemplation of what the Word of God does. Uh, Not so much us, but it's not uncommon in Christendom across the world today that when people talk about the Word, it is not uncommon for people to think of the Word of God like it's sort of the rule book. And that grace is the thing that sort sort of, you know, lathers you up when you break the rule book and it's sort of your get-out-of-jail-free card for when you don't do what the Word says that's not entirely wrong but it's the fact that those two are set in opposition to each other sometimes in our thinking God's Word that tells us what we should do and grace is what fixes it when we don't do what we should do that's not entirely wrong But I want you to see here the connection of those two and and the way that Paul writes it. Since the day you heard the gospel, he says, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it, we'll we'll go on there. But but it's that phrase, the grace of God in truth. Those two aren't separated that you really can't understand the grace of God except through an incorporation of God's word into when he speaks about truth or he's talking about the word and you really can't live in grace except that the word of God becomes alive in you and as the word of God becomes alive in you grace grows in you these aren't separate they're together amen come on somebody say amen all right He says, just as you learn it, this is how you learned it, he said, just as you learn it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. We'll comment on that in a second. But I want you to notice the the commendation of Epaphras here. He is commended for uh, teaching them these things properly, just as you have learned it from epaphras our beloved fellow servant he is a faithful minister of christ on your behalf his faithfulness is measured by his rightly instructing them in the word of god in the truth and he says what's interesting too i think on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit now I think I think we Pentecostals sort of categorize sometimes. I think I do. I have. The Holy Spirit, when He speaks about the Spirit, uh, I have a tendency to still lean towards Him in reference to the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit and the, the tongues and interpretation and prophecy and knowledge and words of wisdom and governments and those things. Paul is writing here about the love that comes out of them and this lines up right with what first john had talked about that we studied for a number of weeks that through the spirit of god uh, love is projected you cannot be in the spirit except that love will be a quality that exudes from your life Um, it's just the nature of god and I, i i love that that's a trait that we see over and over and over and that's one of the reasons why we talk about uh god being a a great god of love that the trait that is seen over and over and over in the new testament coming from people's lives when they are in the spirit when they're in god when they abide in god lots of different phrases uh when his word abides in you the overwhelming uh manifestation of that is love one for the other love for god love for those around you it wouldn't be unbiblical to say uh if you don't love love and in fact, 1 John did. We saw it directly that, that if you don't love, you don't know God. Uh, you can't hate your brother and know God is what 1 John tells us. Love is the primary uh, primary revelation of the Spirit of God in us. Verse 9, he says, and so from the day we heard about you and about these things in you, we've been bragging on you. No, that's not what he says. We have been putting out newsletters about how good you all of that's good but listen that's not what he says and so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you now that's what's interesting He, he just bragged on them talked about the faith and the love and the hope and how the word is bearing fruit and it's increasing in them like it does everywhere it goes they they learned that from epaphras who is A faithful minister of christ on your behalf and he's been rightly dividing the truth he's been giving them the word of god right we heard that um and then paul says what i think something to be to be peculiar um most of the time when things rise to the level of prayer for us it's because something's broke oh lord watch over This situation in this church they've they've been having troubles and they've been squabbling and they oh lord bring them the right minister oh father fix this oh lord take care of their i mean or even in someone's life but here paul is saying um we've heard about all these good things and that has caused us to not cease praying for you that makes sense to me hey let's pray when it's good so maybe it doesn't go bad instead of waiting for it to go bad and then we start praying amen In the military, we used to have a thing that we had to do every day on our vehicles, PCMS, preventive PMCS, preventive maintenance checks and services. Man, we would check. I just checked the oil yesterday, check it again today. I just had to be constantly ready. We were doing it every day. We would do that. And that's a little bit like this, what this sounds. Father, things are going great. And I think this would be a great rule for our lives. Lord, man, we are blessed everywhere. Lord, I just want to spend a few moments just shoring that up. Lord, protect that. Protect my family. My kids are all healthy. Lord, keep them all healthy. Lord, they're all loving you. Continue. They've all got good jobs. Lord, watch over their jobs. It's intercession before there's a problem rather than after. I, I learned something from that when I read through that. He says that what we are praying for you is that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, I think all of you know the verse, uh, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not, what? To your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your path. It's interesting here that Paul says, what we're praying for you is that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding it's that spiritual word that qualifies this we're praying that you wouldn't lean on your own understanding that you wouldn't see things just through natural eyes you wouldn't make decisions just based upon what something feels like to you you wouldn't try to direct your lives based upon just sort of experiential knowledge although that's good he says what i'm praying for you Is that you would be filled, I love that word too, filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Hmm, man, that's a great prayer. Uh, Lord, fill us with all wisdom, all knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I thought we might do something tonight. We're living through a very interesting period of time. Amen. And churches all around our region, all over the world are having to make decisions with very little solid information to go on. In fact, the information changes pretty pretty rapidly. I think it would be good for us to just take a moment and let's just pray that God would give leaders in his church the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, not earthly wisdom and understanding, in all spiritual wisdom and and understanding Paul is praying that for Colossians and when I read through that I thought oh Lord that's that's how we ought to be praying right now so would you do something with me and those of you that are online I know it's a deviation from our deal but let's take a minute can we do that just bow our heads father we just intercede right now for all of the leaders of churches men and women across our region father our leaders in our district office and in the other leadership structures of the different churches different denominations in our region father And Lord, I pray that you would bless them, Father, to know your will, to have the knowledge of your will, Father, and in that all, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Lord, I I don't pray that you would give them the right information through the internet or through the news. Lord, I've watched that every day and I think it's good to try to be aware, but that's not what I'm asking, Father. You know what we need. I pray that you would give us the ability to hear your will and that we would do that father uh, as spiritual people as people that are filled up with your direction father wisdom that is spiritual and understanding that is spiritual and not as it's not based on fleshly understanding and it's not based father upon our our experiences or our scientific knowledge because none of that can tell us what's happening tomorrow, and you know. So, Lord, give us great wisdom and knowledge, and let that understanding and that wisdom and that knowledge be spiritually derived, and not through the normal, just through the normal uh, abilities that we have to see what's going on. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's let's go on through this, because there's another really good section. I I, I mentioned it before about verse 10. He said, so that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, my goodness, do you hear, well, let me ask you this. What does that mean to you, those of you that are in the room? What does that mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Read the rest of it. Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. That's all. (laughs) That's pretty good list there, isn't it? What does it mean, Wayne, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? To you, what's that mean? Means to be obedient. Means to do what He says. Do what He says. Be obedient. I like that. Pat, what do you think? Go Go where He leads. Laura. What's it mean to you to be obey i mean to be uh, to walk in a manner worthy of the lord live the, live the example sue what do you think yep kathy how about you what do you think pleasing to him okay it's a powerful verse so as to now so all of this lead up we heard the word paul has not ceased to pray the purpose of his prayer is that they might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Um, Bearing fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. Now, let me ask a question. It's absolutely a loaded question. It has got a slant to it. It's got a bias in it. It's leading. I'm just telling you, it's not a trick question. All right. Does that verse sound to you like how at times you hear grace reported in the body of christ does that verse sound like just do whatever there's grace does that sound that way to you it doesn't does it wayne it sounds it sounds like a careful life doesn't sound like a condemning life doesn't sound like that we're under legalism that you can swing that pendulum too far But it doesn't sound like Paul's prayer for the church is that they have a religious experience and then just live however they want. I know that I harp on this a lot. I know you hear me come back to this point a lot. And it's with intention that I do. Because in my mind, it is the most dangerous doctrinal position in the world today. That there are those that think because of a religious experience that they had one time that they are prepared for heaven and it's completely uh without consequence how they have lived ever since they had that moment i don't believe that and i don't believe the reason that i don't believe it is not because of my church tradition i just can't find an untransformed life in the scriptures paul is praying that they would draw closer he's praying that they would have spiritual wisdom and understanding and knowledge and he's praying that they would walk in a manner worthy of the lord fully pleasing to him and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. My goodness, you could pull verse 10 out and just live your whole life trying to live up to verse 10 of Colossians chapter 1. Um, I just want you to notice the call to more. You say, when does it end? Right after you draw your last breath and you stand before God. Up until that time, you can learn more. You can grow more. You can have a deeper love. You can realize the greater love that he has for you. You can deepen your spiritual understanding of his word. and You can have greater love for one another. You can be more than you are today. Every day. And that's the challenge that Paul is making. And listen, we know that Romans tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not what he's saying when he talks about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. You're never going to be Jesus. You're never going to live a sinless life. You're never going to escape the corruption of this flesh until you do uh, via the grave or the rapture. But but that doesn't mean that we dismiss the challenge. Uh, An old axiom that I think is a good one to apply here. Uh, It says, better to shoot at the moon and hit an eagle than to aim at an eagle and hit the dirt so set your sights high what are our sights set on to be like pastor roy right no to be like jesus he's what we're shooting at will we hit it no but better to aim at him and live a life pleasing to him than throw off all regard and all restraint and, and bring no, no glory and no honor to his name, all right? We're trying to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, just to make sure that everybody understands, what does the scripture mean when it says bearing fruit? Laura, what's that mean to you, bearing fruit? Yeah, having, let, let, me, let me make it a little more general than that. Having good stuff come out of your life are christians supposed to be a sourpuss all the time are they supposed to be greedy all the time anybody ever been a little greedy uh my wife makes a chocolate cake i'm really upset this is no kidding this is not meant to be humorous when i come in and somebody's eating the last piece and it wasn't me i i don't like that i really who ate the last piece of cake well she says i did well you made it i guess i guess that's okay all right so we all have dan said no it's not it's not okay we all have moments, and that's a silly little deal, but we all have moments where we're lessened but bearing good fruit that's that's where we're trying to Lord I want Lord let me bear more fruit than I did today tomorrow let me let me be more let me and let me bear fruit in every good work. I'm supposed to be engaged in sort of sort of not good no I'm supposed to be engaged in good work and while I'm engaged in that good work, I'm supposed to bear fruit. Um, lots of challenges in this and remember we're just in the greeting we haven't even gotten to the meat yet uh increasing in the knowledge of god paul is i think saying that you you can't increase in the knowledge of god and not want to walk in a manner and not want to bear fruit and not want to be engaged in good work as you increase in the knowledge of who god is you're going to be called to be those things Verse 11, he says, being strengthened with all power. I'm, uh, the sermon that I'm preaching on Sunday, i give you a preview. Uh, we've entitled it, it's going to be two parts, uh, Shaken. Uh, building up some cases of looking at some historical things of times that the world has been shaken. A little bit like we have here. Uh, I actually, Pastor Chris found it today for me. I'd ask him to search. Uh, We found uh, an audio recording of a sermon preached December 14th, 1941. All right, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to listen to it tonight. What do you figure that guy's preaching on? It's a week. It's the Sunday after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. I bet he's talking about the world being shaken. The world's been shaken before, folks. Amen. Uh, It will be shaken yet some more and uh, you and I are supposed to be strengthened in that, and strengthened with all power. How? According to, he says, his glorious might. What do you think the measurement of the Father's glorious might is? I don't know, but man, someday when we behold it. Well, the Bible says, and I think sometimes we hear verses like this and we, we don't really hear them. But the Bible says that the mountains melt like wax before him. The mountains. The rocky mountains melt like wax before him. It is metaphorical, but it's also reality. That because of the might of his power, the mountains, the Alps, the, you know, the cascades in the Northwest... Melt like wax in front of a flame at the coming of his glory. I, I, I've said it before, but in the scripture where it says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, angels aren't going to be forcing people down on their knees. You walk into his glory, you're going to fall down before him. And here's, listen, and here's what this says. It says that we are strengthened by his, according to his glory. Man, I love that. That through the increase of knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding, we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him. We bear fruit in every good work. We increase in the knowledge of God, and we are strengthened with all power according to or by his his glorious might. I need to remember that. I think we all need to remember that. And it's a great opening line for the season that we're in, that he is there to strengthen us. And what does all of that do? For all endurance and patience with joy. Man, that's good that you are strengthened with all power by his might and what it does in you is produce endurance and patience and joy that's good and that no matter what the season verse 12 you end up giving thanks to the father why because you've been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. that's that hope that's in heaven one day You're going to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I don't even know what all of our inheritance is, but I'm pretty excited about it. That one day we're going to be in his presence and share as heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus in the inheritance of the saints. I love it. That's good. Verse 13, he has delivered us. From the domain of darkness. Lest you think that there's not a struggle, that there's not spiritual wickedness in high places, lest you think that there's not a spiritual reality to this thing that we're engaged in, Paul says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and I love this next word, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I remember being in the military. And it's that exact word that they use. Uh, you're being transferred to the states. You're being transferred back to the states. You're being transferred to Europe. You're being transferred over to you know to uh, you know, uh, triple Army hospital in Hawaii. I never got those orders. That would have been a good one. all right? But, but we knew what that meant, and this word carries exactly the same. We knew that what that meant was that you were about to pick up everything that you had, all of your possessions. If you were command sponsored, you were going to pack your family up and they were going to transfer you and you would one day be in this unit. Most people took leave, but not everybody did. I always took leave between transfers. It would have just been weird to leave one unit in one part of the world and then travel and then just show up for work and sign in and go to work. It just seems foreign to me that you'd have such a long period of time with that group of people and nobody else would get transferred you'd have a whole new group of people that you're working with. Just like that, you wouldn't know anybody. Every now and then, you'd you'd run into somebody else, but it was pretty rare. Back then, there were a million service members overseas in the different branches. So many of those people that I served with overseas, I've never seen since. Um, Still in contact with some of them. But it's that sense of transfer that you were in one thing and everything that you were got transferred over. And what we were in was the domain of darkness And God, by his son Jesus, what we see in verse 14, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I think one day when we stand before his presence and we are there gathered around his throne, we join with that great multitude and that's all reality. In that moment, the value of our redemption and the forgiveness of our sins Will finally be fully realized. Right now, it's something that we say that we're thankful for, and we are. But on that day, we'll feel it. We'll be living in it. And my goodness, what a day it will be! Amen. That's a pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good greeting introduction to his letter, isn't it? Um, lots of good stuff about who we are, and that's Paul's intention. He wants to remind them of who they are, because remember where he's going is into a discussion of who Jesus is. And I like the way that he ends this introduction by reminding them that the salvation and the faith and the love and the hope and the fruit and the strength and the knowledge of God and the grace and the truth and the wisdom and the understanding and the endurance and the patience and the joy and and the inheritance, and being a part of the saints in light, and going from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light, his beloved son, that all of that has happened because of Jesus' redemption, and that our sins have been forgiven. Now, do you see how he's setting them up? Because the challenge that the Gnostics were primarily making was that Jesus wasn't deity. And how can he have provided all of that if he's not? deity that's kind of what paul's doing he's setting the stage for this discussion uh, in opposition to the gnostic belief that jesus and other things but that was the primary thing that he's taking this uh, heresy to task on i don't know that was fun for me I, i enjoyed that little exhortation of that introduction hey listen those of you that are online with us and those of you that are here in the room thanks so much for being here tonight um Sunday, we're back to a regular schedule in that we'll have an 8.30 and a 10.30 service. Both services will be streamed. If you intend to join us via the stream, uh, both will be streamed again. And then uh, Sunday night, we'll be back at 5 o'clock for prayer. Uh, We'll still do that via just the stream. But Sunday morning, you can join us in the building like some of you have done here tonight. Or you can watch us uh, through the stream like you normally do. And then uh, next week, Wednesday, we'll be back Wednesday morning with our senior adult service and then back here again uh, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for our study through the book of Colossians. And we'll pick up in verse 15. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness. We bless you. Thank you for your word, Lord. I say it every week. Thank you for your word. It blesses us and it challenges us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Kids, on Sunday morning, for those of you on the stream and those of you in here, No children's church, first service still, only children's church in the second at 10.30 uh, Sunday morning service. God bless you. Have a great night. We'll see you back online or here in the room soon. Bye-bye.